You're listening to Shot Callers with Kyle Brandon and Joe Micucci, part of the 48 Minutes Podcast Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to this week's edition of Shot Callers on the 48 Minutes Basketball Network. My name is Joe Micucci, and with me is always a man who needs no introduction, but I introduce him anyway, Kyle Brandon. Kyle, how are you doing tonight, my man? I'm good, Joe, man. It's uh, good to be here. Let's go. Let's go. It is a cold and snowy, slushy time here in the Midwest, but the trade deadline is fast approaching. We talked a little bit a couple weeks ago, did a little bit of prep, but tonight we're going to dive real into it. Warm things up a bit with some spicy trades, but as always, you know we kick the show off with some love to see it, hate to see it. Kyle, what you got this week for love to see it, hate to see it? Yeah, this week for love to see it. I have uh, a guy that is that is near and dear to my heart. My love to see it's going to be Vinny Johnson. Uh, this week he he made a sizable one million dollar donation to the uh, to the Bridge Housing Campus, uh, which is basically he's supporting Detroit uh, homelessness uh, in that community. the The money goes towards. Um, residential units it goes towards a health clinic it goes towards a bunch of services to help the homeless there um so the one million dollar donation is uh extremely generous it's it, it was crazy Vinny johnson the microwave they called him when he played for the bad boy pistons in his career he made five million dollars so to donate one million is, is pretty pretty outstanding um, he's been really, really successful outside of the NBA as well as the CEO of, a, of an automotive group called Piston Automotive um, and has made hundreds of millions of dollars for himself personally. Um, but just a really successful guy that's giving back to the community and just thought it was really awesome and um, just want to start out with some good vibes there. And, that's right. Uh, a I, bad, I really, bad boy, bad ha- boy uh, handing out the good vibes. Yep. So we love to see it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Mine is is not as awesome as that for sure. But my love to see it this week uh, is is a bright spot for my Indiana Pacers. And it's been their rookie class. Um, Earlier in the week, Chris Duarte was named to the Rising Stars Challenge. You love to see that. But also some some other dudes are starting to get some run with the amount of injuries and guys being out due to COVID. Um, Isaiah Jackson... Uh, a guy who I've been just pounding the drum for to, to finally get some more playing time. He got his first career start on Monday um, against the Clippers. All he does is go for not only a career high in the NBA, his career high in general. His career high in college was uh, 18 points, if I recall correctly. He goes for 26 points on 12 of 19 shooting, 10 rebounds and two blocks. He led the team in scoring in his first start. <laughs> Insane. Um and then to follow up that rookie performance, Terry Taylor, uh, uh, undrafted free agent rookie that's been on a two-way contract with the Pacers this season. Uh, he ends up getting extended minutes against the Magic last night. And he says, Isaiah Jackson, I can I can provide some solid uh, minutes in your stead. Uh, he goes for 24 points on 10 of 15 shooting, 16 rebounds, three assists, and a steal. And then uh, the last guy uh, that I wanted to just give a shout-out to is Dwayne Washington Jr., undrafted rookie free agent again his last eight games for the Pacers he's averaging 20 minutes per game but in those 20 minutes he's scoring 11 points per game on 44 percent shooting 43 percent from three and is getting two assists per game and he's under a turnover a game right now as well um you just you love to see that the young guys that they're bringing in are developing but at the same time they're still losing it's just an expert tank job by the Pacers against the Magic last night so it's just a lovely scenario to to find the Pacers in now, and you love to see it. Yeah, out of that out of that young core, who do you see as like a, a for sure staple piece moving forward? Oh, it's it's definitely Duarte, without Duarte. a doubt. Like I'm, yeah. I, I'm definitely not you know hedging any or you know not going all in on on Terry Taylor or Dwayne Washington Jr. But I do think Duarte is there, and I I genuinely think Isaiah Jackson. Um, even in, when he was getting bench minutes, you know, even in that game against Golden State a couple weeks ago, he almost put up a, a double-double in that as well. I think he did, actually. So um, those two first-round draft picks are 
are looking really good for the Pacers. Um, but uh, all in all, just a, a really impressive stretch from the rookie class. Yeah, and, and Isaiah Jackson has the pedigree also going to uh, UK, being a you know a first round pick and all of that. Um, Four star recruit in high school. Um, the he was like I think the seventh ranked center coming out coming out of high school. So he's he's definitely a guy with a lot of talent, and uh, he's just kind of behind two big guys right now. Um, just kind of needing to get a little more playing time. I'm sure we might we might bring that up again in the episode. But uh, yeah, it's it's always cool to see a, a young core start to develop, and it really kind of almost happened overnight. It seems with the Pacers. Um, yeah, it felt like they were really going for it and going for it and going for it. And then the next thing you know, they're playing their young core um, and losing by a point, which is the perfect way to do it uh, yeah. against the magic. So, yeah, yeah it, it's it's really it. been a, it, it's really just been by circumstance. Like I was say, just because guys being out with injuries like Brogdon, uh, Laverta has been in and out of the lineup, but Miles Turner is out now. Sabonis is in the COVID protocol. So it's just guys taking advantage of opportunities. And it, that's all you can really ask for when you're down to kind of your your back of the or end of the bench rotation. Yeah. So, yeah, well, let's you love to see it. Let's uh, let's get into your hate to see it. What do you got for this week? <laughs> all right. So to preface, you know, one of the most fun parts Anytime you go to a sporting event, whether it's basketball, hockey, football, wh- what have you, there's always like the mini games during the timeouts when they'll bring fans, you know, they'll incorporate fans into shit. Usually it's season ticket holders. My hate to see it has to do with one of those games uh, from the other night uh, in Philadelphia. They had a guy <laughs> on, <laughs> on one of these games to play blackjack and he, he runs his hit. And he gets up to 20. And, you know, they do the thing where they're like, all right, you want to hit or do you want to hold? And you hear the entire crowd, you're like, hold, hold, hold. If anybody listening to this is not familiar with how blackjack is played, you play it at either 21 or bust. If you go over 21, you lose, okay? This guy's at 20. The only way he can get 21 is if he gets an ace. And he decides he's going to hit. He ends up getting a 26 and losing. As soon as I saw it, I was like, this this dude's my hate to see it. You have the entire arena saying, stay, hold, stay. And he's like, nah, I'm a hit. It's just, you hate to see it. Do better, buddy. Do better. Yeah. Um, honestly, for hate to see it, just when you started and said uh, there was a Philly sports fan uh, at a game, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I, I get it. But uh, that that's even worse than just a... And just a regular Philly sports fan, so yeah. There's nothing we there's nothing we hate more than botched gambling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for for me this week, my hate to see it. Uh, we're about to we're gonna get into some guys that are gonna get traded, but my hate to see it is gonna be these guys that aren't gonna be moved this year. Yeah. Um, I just have a feeling that that guys like Ben Simmons, um, guys like Bradley Beal. Um, I, I even fear that it's going to be difficult for your Pacers to find some trade partners with uh, with both of their big men. And so that's really just my hate to see it, is these guys that clearly need to move on um, but are just kind of stuck in their situations um, for, for a multitude of reasons. Really, the Simmons thing is super frustrating. It just seems like a pissing contest. Um, the the Beal thing feels like they just don't know which way they want that direction to that uh that team to head. I mean, just so many dominoes that need to fall in the NBA that that we're just stuck waiting. It it feels like Anthony Davis, where like you know it's gonna happen. Like can, like let's just do it. Let's just get him to where he needs to be yeah. so that everything else can kind of fall into place um, around it. But I don't know. That's it, it's just it's frustrating to see to see talent just sit there and do nothing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Especially it, it, we've talked about the Ben Simmons thing pretty much all season long at this point. But the Bradley Beal situation is, I think, the most annoying because I feel like we've been playing the will they won't they game f- for almost half a decade now with Bradley Beal and I I'm just so ready for the saga to be over. Um, 
I think it, I literally right before we started recording, you know, I saw yet another thread on Twitter making like ten points as to why it's time to trade Brad Bradley Beal. It, it's just mm-hmm. like the writing is on the wall. It just it, it's time for a clean break. Allow the Wizards to finally just start rebuilding. They they got such a nice haul for excuse me for uh, Westbrook this last offseason, they've completely fallen off from the hot start that they had. Just embrace it. You have some nice pieces that you can... It really wouldn't be that quick of a turnaround, I feel like, with with the Wizards, too, if they just continue getting mm-hmm. the right pieces like they have. So I, I, I'm i with you, man. You hate to see it. You just want to see yeah. these guys moved. Yeah, so. I, I would even put Portland in there, too. Um, I yeah. think that there's a handful of guys that will be traded from Portland. But like the the huge names like CJ and uh, and Lillard, I I don't realistically think they're going to get traded this trade deadline. And I, I just feel like we, we talked about it for so long, and yeah, it's just not happening. Yeah. Well, Kyle, let's let's kind of bounce off that as we transition out. I hate to see it, and let's get into what we do want to talk about this week, which is. Some trades that we would like to see happen. Some trades that really make a lot of sense. And we've kind of we went into the lab today pretty pretty hard, and that's kind of how we got to the conclusion on some of these guys like McCollum, Lillard not getting moved, uh, both Miles Turner and Demontis Sabonis. There a lot of avenues that turns into there's some roadblocks. So let's let's share with the people what we got. So Kyle, what's the first trade that? Uh, you wanted to bring up for everyone tonight. Yeah, the first trade, um, it might be the most controversial, but it is definitely my favorite trade that we have right now. Um, I have Russell Westbrook heading to the Knicks (laughs) and Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, and Alec Burks heading to the Lakers. I, I love this trade so much. When you lobbed this to me, it was like I did a double take because I was like, he's not serious. And then we lo- I looked at it again and go, oh my God. Kyle, why does this trade work in your opinion? Like, what, what do you like about this trade? Yeah. So um, I think we all kind of know why the Lakers are trying to trade Russ. I feel like that's been heavily talked about. Like, that's understood why they're trying to trade Russ. So why would the Knicks want to take Russ? Well, the Knicks would be shedding two years of Evan Fournier's contract which, right, because they're taking back Russ's two year, two years, right? They have the yep. rest of this year and next year. So um, they're basically getting rid of um, the, the last two years of Evan Fournier's contract, which he makes $17 million each year. They're getting, rid of the, they're getting rid of one year of Alec Burks's contract because he's making $9.5 million over three years. Um, and then they walk away from Kemba. And when you look at it, like... All of these guys have been sat, you know. They they've all been taken out of um, of a starting role and sat for other guys. So it's not like the Knicks are necessarily married to them because, you know, they they're able to kind of walk away and plug in some other guys to give it a shot. And so I think if you're the Knicks, you think, okay, you know, we get the flexibility. We have some younger guys on our team already. Uh, we like quickly a lot. Um, we just traded for Cam Reddish. He's going to get more play because we talked about it on the spot, right, when they got Cam Reddish. It's like, okay, well, so he's just going to be buried behind Evan Fournier for four years? And yeah. so now you can actually play Cam Reddish and you can actually play your guys. Um, and then in the year, you know, next year, Russ is a $44 million expiring contract. Um, and I just... I just think that they can kind of get rid of some of those bad contracts that they have. And uh, plus, it's Russ in the garden. Say whatever you want. Russell Westbrook's not the guy that he used to be, but he is still a blockbuster name um, and a household name and someone that I think would be more entertaining in the garden than Evan Fournier. So um, I think that's I think that's why they do it. And the Lakers, the Lakers would be getting flexibility off of it. They'd be getting, you know, Evan Fournier's contract is not a good one. Four years, $17 million. But the fact that the Lakers would have a $17 million contract 
over the next four years that as a tradable piece is is actually like important for them. Th the the reason they throw uh, Tht in every trade is because he has a thirteen million dollar contract. That that's their only like movable asset really. So um, it gives them some flexibility there, and it gives them some shooting. So. Yeah, and I think the other thing that I, I really like about it, too, outside of just getting money off the books, it sets them up in 2023. Now, that's not the the wild for agency class 2024 is, but Westbrook's contract comes off the books in 2023. They get signed some guys to some one-year deals, fill holes in their roster for the young guys, and then in 2024, they can be really aggressive in that free agency class that just for reference, 2024 is the class that has guys like Clay Thompson, Chris Middleton, Siakam, CJ McCollum, Carl Anthony Towns, and Devin Booker. All of those. Now be sure. We could probably assume some of those guys are going to sign extensions before then, but, and I know it again, this is the classic Knicks looking for the white whale free agent, but it does just make sense from a strategic standpoint to set yourself up um, to have that money that free agency class to go for something big uh, if they continue developing their young guys like they do. So I, I love this trade um, just from that aspect alone, um, just to get that money off the books. It's I think that's why I liked it so much when I looked at it, when you when you initially threw the the idea of look how, how many guys they get off the books early now instead of being committed to, especially the Fournier contract. That's the one that I love the most, getting off the books. Yeah, and think about the difference. In in 2023, you'd be done, right? You'd be done yeah. with Russ. You'd be done with all of it. But, you know, if you don't do the trade, they would, in 2023, they'd be paying Evan Fournier almost $19 million that year, and they'd be paying Alec Burks, you know, $10.5 million. Yeah. Um, and that's just, like, you're paying those guys $30 million. You're already paying Julius Randle just under $30 million. Like now you have sixty million dollars tied up in Julius Randle, Evan Fournier, and Alec Burks, and I just like it is a salary cap league. Like at a certain point, like money is finite. You can't, you know, you you can only do so much. Um, and then when you have you know R.J. Barrett, are you going to keep Cam Reddish? Um, you know, what do you do with some of your other young guys? Um, I just they're going to need some flexibility here, so um, that's why I like it. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great trade. A nice spicy one to kick things off, for sure. Uh, yeah. You love, I mean, imagine if this actually did happen, just the Knicks and the Lakers trading with one another. That that alone would <laughs> set, set NBA Twitter ablaze. Um, but let's let's move into to another one. This one, I, I know this next one is, this is more of our just, this one just makes sense. Let's get this one out there. Kyle, what's the second trade we have prepped for for tonight? Yeah, so like you said, this next one makes sense. It's one of those ones that you would see on the uh, on the ticker. You would see Woj tweet and you go, oh, yeah, well, yeah, okay. Um, and that would be uh, an almost one-for-one -one swap of Christian Wood going to the Blazers and Yusuf Nurkic going to the Rockets. And, and I think that... The Blazers would also have to throw in a, a little second-round pick there. They have one in 2022. Um, so, so Christian Wood for Nurkic and a second-round pick. What are your thoughts? I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with the explanation of it, just it being that's the one that woes your shams, tweets it out, and you just go, yeah, I get it. It's, it, it's not... It, it's not turning your head around. It's not, at, you know, not jaw dropping. But I think one of the main reasons I like this so much for both sides, uh, for the Rockets, obviously Nurkic is an expiring contract at the end of the year. So you kind of make way. Um, he gets out of there. That probably opens the the door for Shingun to start getting even more minutes in the rotation. Obviously, you like that if you're you're the Rockets and you get the draft pick. For the Blazers, Christian Wood immediately turns into an expiring next season. So you kind of get this season to see what he gives you. Get next season as well. If you're if you're not liking it, you can move on pretty quickly. Um, I still think even if he doesn't work, if this trade were to happen and he doesn't work out in, in Portland, he's proven with Detroit and 
in Houston, he's a guy that provides some value to a roster. So I think it's a, a very chalk trade, but I think that's something people tend to forget about the trade deadline. Sometimes chalk trades, they're kind of the bulk of what you run into. So um, I like it a lot. I think it makes it makes sense for both sides to do. I wouldn't be surprised if it did happen. Yeah, and, you know, the salary cap is going to be, you know, let's say $110 million next year. Like, they're going to have $42 million going to Lillard. They're going to have 33 going to McCollum. They're going to have about 17 going to Norman Powell and about 10 going to Larry Nance Jr. That's most of your cap. And yeah. so how do you sign new players? Um, if you want to re-sign your own guys, Anthony Simon's going to have to be re-signed. He's been awesome. Um you know, there, there's just going to be some other guys that they're going to want to have to get to fill out this team. And so I don't know how you bring in more talent that wasn't already on the team. And to me, this is a way to do it um, by by making this trade. Plus, we already saw it last year with the Rockets when they were drafting. Um, it was like, should they take Mobley or should they take um, Jalen Green? And the conversation got brought up, well, it's like, well... Why would they need Mobley if they already have Christian Wood? Which I know it sounds really silly to say right now, but it was a conversation topic, um, you know, in the draft time. And if you look at the top three prospects now, which I think is probably where Houston has its, you know, its eyes set, um, the top three prospects are all, you know, big men, um, not necessarily centers, um, you know, in that four or five range. So I think it also makes sense with where they could potentially be looking in the draft as well. Um, you know, if they if they landed a guy like uh, uh, Chet or something like that, like it would make sense also. Um, you know, at a certain point, it is going to start to matter the fact that you have Shengun and the fact that you have Christian Wood and like for example Chet. You know what I mean? Like it will actually start to matter. You can't play you know, too many of those guys at the same time. So, um, yeah, I, I like it. It gives them an extra draft pick here. So I think I think it makes a good amount of sense. Yeah. So let's move on from, from this one because, again, this one's super chalk. And the main reason I'm ready to move on is because this next one is probably our our crown jewel. Um, Kyle, we have, we have played in the trade machine a long time. We've, we've thrown some crazy stuff out there, but <clears throat> excuse me. This next one, it, it revolves around, well, honestly, one of your guys. So I, I'll let you uh, set the set the stage for the good people. Yeah, so this next one's a three-team trade, which I uh, I really, really, really try and stay away from three-team trades. It, they just seem unrealistic to me. Um, they just seem messy. They seem confusing. So I'll preface it by saying that. But it's only a total of five guys in in the three teams. So um, let me lay it out for you. First, we'll start off with the Bulls. The Bulls would be receiving uh, Dennis Schroeder and Jeremy Grant. The Pistons would be receiving Patrick Williams and Derek Jones Jr. And the Celtics would be receiving Troy Brown Jr. in a second-round pick. Uh, let me start with the Bulls, obviously, because they would be the huge, um, the huge winners of the day with this one. Receiving Jeremy Grant would just really, really solidify their big men, um, which which they clearly could use that that extra wing, especially with Patrick Williams being uh, hurt. Um, and then, you know, there are other wings that they have, like like Troy Brown and and Derek Jones. They're just not they're just not guys that you want to play in the final minutes of playoff games. And uh, with them being at the top of the East, I think that's where they need to start looking is like, all right, what is going to be our, our playoff rotation? And then Dennis Schroeder, um, they just had injuries in the backcourt. Uh, so, you know, if Alex Crusoe is not there or if Lonzo Ball isn't there, it gives you just another facilitator that can help run the offense. 
he's on a one-year deal, so it's not like you have to uh, stick with him forever. But it's kind of just the Bulls going all in. Yeah, uh, it, it, and that's kind of why I like this. This is this is definitely the Bulls pushing every chip to the center of the table to make that run. Um, and I, I like. I like the way you word that about Dennis Schroeder. He's kind of treated as almost like a safety net in this trade. Uh, Jeremy Grant really provides the Bulls with that uh, that guy on the court that isn't going to stop a Giannis or a Kevin Durant in the playoffs, but could potentially slow him down. And we saw how important it was to have that guy that could slow a guy like Kevin Durant down with Milwaukee last year with P.J. Tucker. Yeah, Kevin Durant might still drop 40 points on you, but you're still able to control the pace of the game enough to where you can come out of that series. Um, do I think Jeremy Grant completely puts them over? I don't know. But I think this is the this is the best move that the Bulls can make. Um, and, and to kind of move over to your Pistons... Uh, this is obviously a no-brainer. They get Patrick Williams, who's kind of right there in the age window with your already young core with Cade and Sadiq. Excuse mm-hmm. me. It, and for now, Killian at least, and whoever you guys end up with in the draft next year, we know the Pistons are going to be near that top five, more or less probably top three. Um, so this is just a really good core move for the Pistons. I think... I think the only team I'm a little hesitant about maybe is Boston. Um, I don't know if Troy Brown in a second rounder moves the needle a ton for them, but Troy Brown is it's it's an expiring. It's five million dollars that they get at the end of the season. I mean, it's they're basically trading contracts at that point because Dennis Schroeder's on the five year deal as well. Um, but they're getting a pick out of it, so um, I think turning Dennis Schroeder on an expiring into a 2026 second rounder is is good value. Um, and like you said, Kyle, three, three teamers are definitely, they're tough to project, but this, this is one that makes logical sense for these three teams, at least. Yeah. So uh, the Celtics, right. That would be like maybe the toughest sell. Why yeah. would you get rid of uh, Dennis Schroeder for Troy Brown jr. In a second round pick? Well, Dennis Schroeder is expiring. He is going to leave the team. That is, I will say, that feels like a fact, right? He yeah. is going to leave the team at the end of this year, um, and you will get nothing for him. So, do you want nothing, or do you want to make a play-in tournament run potentially, and and you know maybe get into the playoffs and, and get swept in the first round or whatnot? Um, but your other option is you get. A second round pick, which uh, second round pick, you know, it doesn't doesn't get you jumping for joy, but it is something, and and those assets do start to add up. But something else is Troy Brown. He could be slipped into that trade exception that was created by um, the Herna Gomez trade to the Spurs earlier. Yes, he could be slid into that, which would free up. Five million dollars in cap space. Um, it's not necessarily saving them money because they're still going to have to pay it, but it's just a way. You know, they can't take their existing contract of Dennis Schroeder and, and slide it into that trade exception, but they can take Troy Brown Jr.'s incoming contract and slide it in there. So, in case they wanted to make any other um, small moves or anything like that, it would just free up like another five million dollars in cap space for them. So when I look at getting a young, you know, a a decent little young asset, I don't know if they'd even keep Troy Brown. I mean, he's he's not expiring, but, you know, you get him for for the rest of the season, a second round pick and potential cap flexibility. That just seems like a better move than than keeping Dennis Schroeder. And then also, I think that. I think that it would behoove the Celtics to start getting in the good graces of people uh, and agents and start showing people like, Hey, if you sign on a one year deal and you want, you know, some more playing time or a chance at a title and we're not it like, yeah, we'll take care of you. 
that stuff does matter. And I feel like the Celtics have the worst reputation in the league uh, for being, quote-unquote, cutthroat. Um, And I know that was Danny Ainge, and I know they have Brad Stevens now. But I think that they could really use um, some good PR of just like, hey, we treated our guys right here, and we, uh, you know, we, we did the right thing. And um, I don't know. It might it might help them maybe potentially get free agents in the future or something like that because uh, I, I do think stuff like that matters. Yeah, I, I, I love that that spin on it too. It, it's almost it, – it's a good – it's a um, – a, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's a good, good karma faith. Thing. Yeah, yeah good, good, good karma. A, a good faith trade, almost. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess they do need it, um, but uh, we'll we'll see what uh, what ends up happening. Um, obviously, with the Celtics being ninth in the East right now, it, it, I guess you know, do you think Troy Brown lifts their roster that much? No, obviously not. But eh, who knows? Sometimes you just do a quick shake up and you see them climb a little bit, but that, that one's fun. Now, just to stay on the topic of Jeremy Grant, cause he is obviously one of the biggest, biggest fish floating out there. Let's say this three teamer doesn't happen. Are there any other plays you see out there that e- even just you as a Pistons fan would be like, yeah, this, this could be a fun one and, and would make sense. And I'd like to see them go after this one as well. Yeah, there there's two actually. Um, the first one, real quick, would be Rashawn Holmes and Marvin Bagley. Um, that gives the Pistons that, you know, they need a rim runner. They need, like, a, a, a true big in that kind of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marvin Bagley's on an expiring. I don't think that they would keep him. They were offered Marvin Bagley, um, like, over a year ago, I think, for Sadiq Bay, And they were just straight up like, no, uh, we're not we're not trying to do that. So... I know business fans are, are pretty high on Marvin Bagley. Um, so that's that's one to look out for. But another one that I thought would be fun would be uh, to look at the Wizards. And, and like we talked about how we don't think that they're necessarily going to trade Bradley Beal, maybe they say, let's take a shot at, uh, at keeping Beal and trying to keep him happy. And they bring on Jeremy Grant. And they send out Kyle Kuzma and Corey Kispert to the Pistons. This one's I love I love this trade for some reason. I I wish I could give you a logical reason why. I just think it's fucking fun. Yeah. So Corey Kispert is. Uh, I mean, that's like a, that's a lottery. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you are getting a lottery value asset. But kind of like when you buy a new car, right when you draft Corey Kispert. And he plays 50 games, his value, you know, because we did mock drafts and stuff like that. I think we had him somewhere around like the 10 to 14 range, right? Yeah. It's really weird because I I think that he might be valued or people might see him as is less than that, right? Um, just because he's not, you know, just a brand new asset now. Now he's just like a first year guy. Um but I, I think that there is a lot of value with Corey Kispert, um, especially in his shooting ability. Uh, I think he has the potential to be, you know, the best shooter on the court at any given time, whoever he's playing with. And then, of course, Kuzma. He's had a great resurgence. Going back to Michigan, he's a Flint kid. Uh, you know, he's got he's got a handful of Michigan tattoos. And um, he's played pretty well, and he's still only 26. So he would, he would fit on the timeline pretty well so yeah i thought that was a, a fun little one and plus i think it, i the, think it'd be a good trade for washington just in the sense that i mean they're 11th in the east right now mm-hmm. you know they're they're not out of sight for the plan going for jeremy grant would kind of be like a you know a rallying of the troops to to see what see what they can get it almost similar to the point i was making regarding uh boston making some move to try and climb in the standings a little bit. But, um, yeah, it just, I, I feel like, uh, that would just be a, yeah, a good move. And kind of the, the overarching 
point with why I think any team should try and trade for Jeremy Grant is similar to the point I was making about Christian Wood earlier, which is next year he immediately turns into an expiring contract. So if it doesn't work, he's once again a trade trade asset. So I I think that's another reason why I just say I I go for it um, if that's something that gets lobbed out there. I know it's definitely not the flashiest Jeremy Grant trade, but it's one that makes basketball sense at the end of the day. Yeah, and I, I know that people might think like, well, should the Wizards give up their young assets? Because what if Bradley Beal leaves? You know, you don't want to give up two of their young wings. Well, great news. You're, you know, you still have Rui and Denny. Like, it's not like you're just emptying the bank and giving up every young asset you have. Like, you have Rui and Denny still. Um, and so it's that's I think in my opinion that's a really good mix of guys that are like 27 28 plus some younger guys as well you know in that like 23 24 range Um, and I think that's a really really good place to be a really balanced roster that could you know be competitive um, now and and show Bradley Beal some things but also like you have some good young pieces uh, to continue to build around, so I think I think it would be a really healthy balance for the Wizards, um, kind of no matter what they did. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and, and I know that's kind of all of the trades we we had set up for tonight, Kyle. But let me just you know ask you on the spot here: any teams that we haven't mentioned that you think should either be buyers or sellers that. You know, maybe we tried looking up the avenue for some moves, just couldn't find anything. Just what are some other teams that you think should be on people's radars going into next Thursday? Yeah, the Cavs. um, I would be looking at the Cavs. I mean, we talked about Dennis Schroeder a little bit. Um, Guys like Eric Gordon, Dennis Schroeder, um, stuff like that. I'd be looking at the Magic to be sellers. Uh, there's no reason why they need Gary Harris Jr. or Terrence Ross at this point. And I think that Orlando has been really open to be sellers uh, recently. When you look at them shipping out um, Gordon, um, shipping out Vucevic, stuff like that, like they, they've they been fine with giving up some of their best players to, uh, you know, to get some, to get some younger assets or some draft capital. Um, John Collins is is a pretty difficult one in my opinion when you throw out the trade machine just because I think John Collins checks so many boxes and so I I just don't know like how you make a trade that's not kind of like lateral or maybe a step down because um, I just I think he's that good so um and then, of course, your team, uh, there's yeah. a handful of guys on there. But I would say that the most likely guy to get traded feels like Harris LeVert and, uh, and who else? What, do you, what are your thoughts? Um, I think Harris LeVert is definitely someone that more people should be considering um, regarding Pacers trades. But I think uh, another name, and this has kind of been a guy that's been floated around in Pacers trade talks Pretty much since the offseason and that's jeremy lamb he's on a he's on an expiring contract this season um really doesn't have that great of a fit in the pacers current rotation so i would not be surprised if you see some sort of uh of move made where jeremy grant is involved um even if it's a, a three-teamer that the pacers get involved in to make the money work um i i just that's that's the one that i don't think has been talked about a ton. Um, I, I don't think Lamb's trade value is super high right now. I, I just really think it'll be a move made by the Pacers to open up more spots in the rotation for these younger guys that I kind of talked about at the beginning of the show. Um, I That's really the other thing, the only thing I can think of. Um, if they're... Maybe Goga Bataze as well. Um, now that I kind of circle back to it, just... Again, the Pacers, they have this just uncanny amount of quality bigs on the team now. 
you can't play all five of them at the same time. So I, I know Bataze was a first-round draft pick a couple years ago. He really hasn't found his fit in this rotation. I know the guys love him on the team, but uh, I think he would it, it would serve him really well to just move on to greener pastures um, with another mm-hmm. organization. So those are probably two like under-the-radar Pacers moves you might see. Um, and then obviously Turner and, and Sabonis, I think, should be on the trade block. I think it's going to be a lot harder for people to be sold on a Miles Turner trade with him currently being injured, but we've seen crazier things happen before. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I know we just had Jordan on and just did a Kings pod, uh, or really Kings heavy pod, but like, I I wouldn't be shocked if I heard any number of names um, between Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, Rashawn Holmes, uh, potentially even Davion Mitchell. Like I, I just think that there's a lot of guys there in Sacramento that have the ability to be moved on on either large contracts or, or tradable contracts. So yeah, um, that's another team I'd be looking for. I think what's crazy is like the Kings are 13th right now in their conference, but they're buyers, but like, they should uh, be sellers. It's, it's yeah. Like it's this weird. is, this is their window of to win kind of thing. So yeah, it's a, I, I have no clue what to expect out of them, but something. Yeah. It, it's going to be really exciting to see how things do play out next Thursday. And luckily we will be recording next Thursday night to break everything down with you guys. So, um, definitely, Make sure you're here next week because um, there's going to be a lot, I feel like, to talk about and, and break down. Maybe do some trade grading, but yeah. we'll move away from the deadline. Kyle, before we get into wrapping up this show, there is one more thing I wanted to hit on tonight, and that is the fact that the All-Star Reserves got announced. Pretty chalk. Um, nothing too overly surprising, but I'll run through them real quick. Uh, for the East, uh, Jimmy Butler, Darius Garland, James Harden, Zach Levine, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, and Fred Van Fleet. And then for the West, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, and our sweet, sweet boy, Carl Anthony Towns. A woo shout out to the Wolves. Um, Like I said, it's pretty chalk. I think when you and I were initially talking about it, the only name that was a little shocking not to see on there was LaMelo. Um, Almost felt like he would would definitely be a, a shoe in uh but he's not there it looks like he's gonna have to wait one more year before getting that first all-star nod yeah um uh, and it's what's really tough i i looked at lamello and i i just compared him to the other guys and it's tough because i really do feel like lamello deserves to be an all-star i agree but yeah. that sentence implies that someone doesn't deserve to be an all-star and when i look at it garland in Cleveland, I want him to be there. I really do. I think he deserves it also. And he's got the production. He's got the wins. He's got the whole resume right now this year to back up him being in that. Fred Van Vliet, I feel like I've been banging the Fred Van Vliet drum like, you know, every two or three weeks um, all year. I, I, I really, really like Fred Van Vliet, and he, he really deserves to be there. Um, his catch and shoot three is literally one of the deadliest things in the game right now. Um, and again, his stats, you know, his stats deserve to be there as well. So, um, it's a really, really tough conversation when you say like, Oh, this guy got snubbed. Um, because there has to be more to that sentence, right? There needs to be that guy got snubbed and this guy shouldn't be in there. And so, yeah, I mean, I would, I would be open to hearing any argument for putting Lamelo in and who you think should be out. So I guess you know, tweet at us or, or, or let us know. Um, you know, you can you can leave us a a review on uh, on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, let us know what you think or uh, tweet at us at Forty Eight Minutes Network. Let us know what you think because um, I'm open to listening. It's just. It's really tough to to kick one of those guys out. Yeah, for sure. I again, I the only the closest one for me was Chris Middleton. But then I started thinking about it. it's like, well, Middleton 
is he considered a front court player? Because you you have to keep those numbers balanced. I'm assuming. I don't know how the reserve voting works out. So maybe that's why Middleton's in and Lamelo's not. But even then, I, I think Chris Middleton is an all star. Like that. You know what I mean? I I can't in good faith say I think Chris Middleton is not an all star. Um. So yeah, definitely let us know uh, your thoughts because we're definitely. We are pro LaMelo Ball being an all-star. We just don't know who shouldn't be an all-star out of these reserves. <laughs> yeah. But, Kyle, let's uh, let's move into oh. the home stretch here. It oh, is time. What? Oh, what you got? What? what you got? I'm sorry. One more thing. Uh, Draymond. Draymond announced that he will not be playing in the all-star game. Um, and so someone will have to take Draymond's spot. So I know that this is uh, this might be the first time you heard of it because it did just kind of oh, break. Okay. Yeah, that um, is actually. And so I uh, you know, this is this is breaking for me as well, so I haven't really had a chance to go through the list. Um but just some of the notables that didn't make the All-Star list um that we could see potentially replace Draymond. Again, it's not a position um one for can one. Can I throw can I throw my it. can yeah. I throw my vote in? I think it should be Brandon Ingram. Really? Okay. Yeah. I would I would like it to be Brandon Ingram. Um Okay. I it, it's uh now it's funny because I disagreed with the sentiment of the tweet I saw about this earlier, but I liked the general point, which is how he's getting thrown double triple teams all over the place this year. I mean, he is the production on that Pelicans team right now. Um so I, I would just, I would like it to be Brandon Ingram. I wouldn't be upset if it was Anthony Edwards either, but I don't think the Wolves are going to get two All Stars, um, so I, I wouldn't mind Anthony Ing- or Brandon Ingram. I was about to combine two players. Uh, the tweet itself said, "Coach is going to throw three guys at Brandon Ingram, but name Draymond Green an All Star." Which I disagree with the latter half of that, but I understand the initial idea. It was a they had me in the first half kind of scenario. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh... I didn't even think about Brandon Ingram, but that's that's a good one. Uh, the names that came to mind for me were obviously Anthony Edwards and DeJounte mm-hmm. Murray. Oh, yeah. We did I, talk about DeJounte last week. I would not yeah. be upset if DeJounte Murray got named an yeah. all-star. I, to me, DeJounte feels like, feels like the fit. Um, and then we also have to think that there's going to be a replacement for KD as well, right? Uh, more than likely. Okay. I had to guess. It, and now with that being a starter, that one might be that one might be a front court. And so um, I would look at someone like Jared Allen um, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that would make sense. So. Um, also, man, another guy I just thought about, and maybe this is this might just be my love of this team. Let me pull up his stats real quick before I get too overly crazy, but. Yeah, I don't think I was gonna say Jaron Jackson Jr., but I don't think his points per game are quite there yet, and he could probably up his rebounds a little bit. But yeah, I, as, you could it, also he's see a fringe. Yeah, yeah, Jaron Jackson Jr. was I, I literally thought about him too, and then I thought, ah, uh, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, you know, yeah. please, it, it, I'm as high on Triple J as anyone, um, but you could also see Siakam takeover for KD's spot. Um, I know that he was out with an injury for a little while, but um, he has been excellent since he got back. And talk about why Fred Van Vliet's been great. I mean, if you look at, like, the on-off court numbers with those two, like, it's two different. It's two different teams, really. So um, Siakam could be in there as well. Yeah, a lot of solid options. And, And again, uh, if there's someone else that you think should be in consideration for the uh, replacements, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Drop us a comment on Instagram. Leave us a review. What have you. Uh, anything else you got for me, Kyle? Anything else that uh, we missed before we move into Shot Collar of the Week? Um, no. No. Um, uh, I th- yes. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> we the, got a ton. <laughs> your Tankathon spin. It oh. is time. Oh, all right, all right. It all is right. time for your tankathon spin. You're, yeah, you're all one. Right. Church of Tankathon. Count us down, Kyle. All right. Uh, while while you're getting that, I'd also like to throw out this tidbit. Right now, 
your Pacers are bottom three in the Eastern Conference standings, okay? Yes. We are 50 games in. My Pistons are in the bottom three as well, okay? Bottom three, 50 games in. If you look at last year, the bottom three teams, 50 games in, were the bottom three teams at the end of the season for the Eastern Conference. If you look at the Western Conference, the bottom three teams, 50 games in, ended the year as the bottom three teams. What that says, after the All-Star break, these bottom teams fully commit. They they embrace it. They you know, they go full uh they go full tankathon. And so that's good news for you. That's great news for you. It's great news uh, for you as well, for both of us, honestly. It, exactly. We are just getting getting closer to that fourteen percent chance of yes, the sir. number one overall pick. So without further ado then, uh I'll count us down. You do you have your tankathon ready to go, Kyle? I do not. You go ahead and uh, All right, I'll do I'll do my spin then. I'll do my spin. It, listen, I don't know what it is about my Thursday night spins on this show, but I think for the second week in a row, my Pacers are the number two pick behind the Oklahoma City Thunder. Okay. Nice. Your, piston, nice. your Pistons are sixth on mine. Okay. Gotcha. So we swapped because uh, right now we're slotted at two and you're slotted at six. So yeah. we'd be swapping. All right. Here we go. Uh, we would get the third pick, and the Pacers Ooh. would get the seventh pick. Number one would go to OKC again. Yep. So, mm. there you go. Do they really deserve the number one pick with all of their hoarded <laughs> draft picks? They're going to have four number one picks in uh, not this upcoming draft, but the next draft, I believe. They have yeah. four first-rounders. And then the year after that, I believe they have four first-rounders as well. Gosh. I will say seven is like the average spot I keep seeing the Pacers end up at. That's been where they've been at like the last three nights for me. So yeah. I think yours is more representative of the mean. Mine is definitely feels like a best case scenario. So alrighty, my friend. Well, it's that time. Let's hit these people with our shot callers of the week. Um I'll I'll go first um for this week. Uh mine is uh I'm crossing over. I'm crossing to another sport. You know, I know we are a basketball show, but we are sports fans in general. Some might even say sports guys, if you will. And uh, I got to give my shot caller of the week to uh, to the GOAT, man, Tom Brady. Finally uh, calling it quits, retiring from the game of football. Um, you know, uh, growing up in Indianapolis, I wasn't a Colts fan, but I definitely drank the anti-Brady Kool-Aid for sure. Um but then, you know, not even two calendar years ago, the wildest shit happened, and Tom Brady became a, the quarterback of the team that I root for, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And in those two seasons, uh, I've experienced more than I have in almost three decades of rooting for the team. Now, I have seen the Bucks win a Super Bowl without him. That's a fact, but... I've never seen them be a dominant offense and a dominant defense at the same time. Uh, he just completely changed the the culture and uh, he made me eat every negative thing I said about him because uh, it, he definitely was just the goat. So Tom hats off to you. Um, enjoy retirement. Wish you were playing one more year, but Hey, it is what it is. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, the goat, right? Like we, I think we can all, Whatever you think of him, we can all come together and agree that he is a goat. So, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, Kyle, what have you got lined up for shot color of the week? Well, I'm gonna tell you, you took it to the NFL, and uh, and I'm gonna stick with you there. My shot color of the week is gonna go to Brian Flores um, for him coming out, standing up for what is right, um, and sacrificing uh, potentially his career um, in coming out. And, uh, you know, basically calling out the NFL for um, how they have not acted correctly in their interview process, how their standards um, for uh, for hiring and employing um, diverse staff uh, has not been where it needs to be and not been up to the NFL's um, standards that they they talk about um, and just kind of outlined how. It's all been a farce, 
and kudos to him, man. It is it is a huge, huge day uh, for that. I think that this I think that we are going to look back on this, and this is going to be um, similar to the Colin Kaepernick movement. I really do think that this has potential to have this that kind of legs. Um, and I just think that this is a man that's on the right side of history, um, you know, kind of doing what's best for everyone, not just what's best for him. So I appreciate it. Also, I mean, I do want to, you know, to tie it to the NBA, this last offseason, one of the big storylines was how many black NBA coaches were hired. Um, the, the percentage went from 23% of coaches to 43%. Um, I mean, it, it is a league where... 74% of the, the players, uh, you know, are black players. So it is it is indicative that, um, you know, the, the staff needs to be diverse as well. Um, the governors, as they call them now, instead of owners, the governors um, need to have diversity, which there is more in the NBA, and I applaud that. And when you look around the NBA, it's some of the most respected men in the league um, as far as like uh, staff goes, I think you're just going to see a, a lot more diversity in the NBA than in the NFL. And, uh, you know, as a Pistons fan, I'm super proud to have uh, Dwayne Casey as our coach. Um, I mean, some of my favorite coaches in the league, like uh, like Monty Williams. Um, I don't know if there's really too many more respected coaches than um, guys like Doc Rivers. So, um, yeah, just... Just overall, um, I think that this was a step in the right direction, not only for the NFL, but for sports, and not only for sports, uh, but for just a, a general conversation. So kudos to Brian Flores for doing the right thing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, and just to, to piggyback off what you are saying about just respected coaches around the league and the NBA, it's just not only are they respected in the sense that they're being expected to to win immediately. You got guys like Steven Silas down in Houston, Dwayne Casey with your Pistons, Jamal Mosley with the Magic, and uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, who completed basically a turnaround in Cleveland. Like These are guys that are being entrusted with with rebuilds and establishing mm -hmm. you know, a foundation and, and a culture uh, of their own. So um, and it, it's definitely it's just so promising to see what the NBA um and I, I don't even think I know I love that you say sports in general because I, I agree. I think the NFL needs to be better. You look across the MLB and the NHL as well, and I feel like this is a problem that persists across really all of the major sports. So uh, yeah. just a huge kudos to, to Brian Flores for what he's doing. Yeah, and, it, and it's not just rebuilding franchises or it's not just like first-time jobs. Ty, Tyron Liu, deservedly so, I mean, he got – he earned, you know, the the coaching job to coach for, you know, one of the most stacked rosters at the time that he took it over. It hasn't been healthy, um, not on Ty Lue, not on anyone. Um, but, I mean, you're seeing guys like that, like, get, you know, get incredible opportunities, um, which is super well-deserved. Um, and I just think that there's a lot of, that there's a lot of diverse coaches out there that are, they're just really respected by the players, and that's, been really vocalized, I think, by the players. I think that's part of the reason you see uh, people like Jason Kidd getting jobs. Um, Fizdale has always been like one of the most liked coaches, um, or at least that's been like super outspoken about how much the players like him. And so I think just, uh, yeah, I, I think that the NBA is just quicker to adapt and be a more progressive league. And I, I really appreciate and, and enjoy that about the league. Um, I enjoy that they like that they let the players be outspoken on a lot of things and uh, and kind of make changes before they're necessary and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, Kyle, I think that that about wraps things up for our show this week. Um, again, as we say every week, if you haven't already, make sure to follow us over on Twitter at Forty Eight Minutes Network. That's N T W R K. Leave us a review. And Kyle, what you got for the people before we get out of here? Yes, over the last five years, the uh, the number one rookie ranking in the NBA rookie ladder at the beginning of February has been Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic, John Morant, Lamelo Ball, and now 
Cade Cunningham, your future rookie of the year. <laughs> Take care, guys. Love y'all. Good night. Thanks for listening to Shot Callers. Make sure to subscribe to the 48 Minutes Network wherever you're listening to your podcast and leave us a review if you like what you're hearing. Also, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter over at 48 Minutes Network. I'm going to stop and give you